Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Welcome back to Jet Centric. My name is Ryan, and today on episode 86, we have a redraft episode where AJ, Alyssa, and Chris go back and see what could have been done different with the Jets' former first round picks. They'll be looking at who else was available at the times that Winnipeg made their picks and whether or not their pick was a correct decision at the time. Remember that this is just in hindsight and not being critical of the picks at the time. There are so many variables that change as players' careers progress. So obviously when you look back at decisions made many years ago, today you may have done it differently, but it doesn't mean it was a wrong decision back then. I would like to thank those three for doing such a great job on this redraft. I know they worked hard on getting all their info together and doing the research. Then there was me who dropped the ball completely and let this recording sit around for two weeks before I got it edited. So without rambling on too much, I hope everyone is doing well and being safe. Enjoy the episode. Okay, so let's get into it. So the first year we're going to get to, uh, we're going to be doing a, a redraft from 2011 to 2016, just first rounders. So that includes Shifley, Truba, uh, Morrissey, Ehlers, Connor, Roslevic, Liney, and uh, Stanley. So there's eight picks over those uh, six years. So what we're going to do is we're going to basically uh, see where they, they were drafted. And then if we would take a player in that first round um, instead of them now, sort of looking back, a little redraft with just with Jets players, just first round players, just the ones that I mentioned there, just those eight players. And then uh, from there, we'll see there's players that were taken and then uh, we'll each sort of make an argument for those uh, uh, people. So the first one, for example, which we'll get into right away, 2011, obviously Shifley was a first pick. He was taken at seventh. Uh, you know, some comparables or people that uh, might be traded for that we would look at uh, trading for Shifley would be Couturier and Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton were, were both drafted after him. So if there's, if you want to make an argument for any one of those players uh, and, and looking at what Shifley has done and sort of the raw stats or you want to get into it a little bit more, uh, then uh, feel feel free. And we'll just kind of go through the years and we'll see uh, how many Jets we have. Maybe we'll, we'll uh, tally it up and vote. There's three of us. So I'm sure we can probably get a little bit of consensus of if – the, the Winnipeg scouts have uh, done as great of a job in the first round as we think. Uh, I mean, obviously they have. We know that the first rounders have all been stellar. But, uh, yeah, would we, would we change anything if we can go back? Uh, so uh, one thing I will say, though, we're not looking at team needs at all. And we're also not looking at, uh, like, positional stuff. So you don't have to swap a center for a center or anything like that. Just the best player. Don't worry about team needs, anything like that. So cool. Any questions, thoughts? No, all right. Good to so, go. Good to go. All right. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this already. I'm I'm AJ. I'm here with uh, Mac, and I'm with Alyssa, and the three of us are going to be going through this. So, like I said, the first year is 2011. We got Shifley at seven, uh, Couturier and Hamilton after him. I'm just going to read off a couple raw stats, just the games played, uh, goals, assists, points. Um, so Shifley, he's played 519 games so far. He's got 180 goals. Couple 30 goal seasons, I believe, in there. I uh, didn't write that down. Uh, 264 assists for a total of 444. Nice round number uh, points. His course is just a little bit over 50% for anybody who cares. 51.1. Uh, then we got Couturier, who I think is another one of the comparables. If there's anybody that I miss that you guys want to add to the list, uh, let me know. Couturier, 647 games, so he's played a lot more than Shifley. Um, that's because Shifley went back to Barry for a little bit. 156 goals, 246 assists, 402 points, uh, 51.9 um, Corsi. So he's, a, what is that, 130, 120 more games in Shifley and about 40 points less. Then we got Dougie Hamilton, defenseman, 552 games, 96 goals, 203 assists, 299 points, 55.6 with the Corsi. So, uh, Mac, maybe we'll start with uh, you, this first one. You're looking at these three players, unless you're adding somebody else. Uh, also, I will mention, first of all, that year was uh, Nuge. That was uh, Ryan Nuge and Hopkins' years. Um, just as a point of reference for people looking back, draft happened in Minnesota. If you're looking at those three players, um, which one of those guys are you taking? you still taking Shifley after everything you've seen? Or is there something about those other players that you like maybe a little bit more? So, I guess the answer probably... Really, the only consideration is Sean Couturier. Um, he's probably, I could be wrong, going to win the Selkie Trophy this year. Um, and we've never had a major award winner um, for the franchise. Um, 
and and I think at the time he was ranked ahead. Well, he was ranked well ahead of Shifley. Shifley was in the mid teens as far as ranking goes. Um, so at the time, you could say that Shifley was a stretch. So that means great drafting, of course. Couture was ranked in our spot or close. Um, the only other consideration I have is uh, Dougie Hamilton. He was ranked as high as fourth at, on some of the lists I saw. And obviously, you could go with a defenseman at that time. And Hamilton's turned into a really good player. Would I trade Mark Shifley right now for Dougie Hamilton? Probably not. But those are the only two guys I had. So then if you're looking at those three, then if you're looking at Shifley and Couturier and Hamilton, uh, which one of those guys now, if you're looking back, that, that would you take? Would you actually uh, change the Jets pick at all to, to one of those other players or not so much? I don't know. Just I'll, I'll say this. I'm not sure if anyone saw the NHL put out a tweet today where they did the redraft of the 2011 mm-hmm. draft and they had Kucherov. Kucherov, first. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who wasn't a first-rounder, so he's not part of our game here, right? But but they had Shifley second, and I think they still had Couturier seventh. So uh, that's what the, the talking heads came up with. But I'm just curious, would you would you still stay with Shifley then? You said no to Hamilton, but uh, the Couturier comparison, I'm curious if, that, if there's anything about his game that moves it for you. I think for me, um, Shifley's still a number one center, and Couturier's a number two center on a Stanley Cup winning team. Shifley's a number one center on a on a cup team i know that that doesn't make sense being that maybe right now Couturier is a better two-way player but usually your number two guy is a better two-way player and your number one guy is a pure pure score i think you may be splitting hairs but that's only recently the first the last three seasons or so i would say shifley takes it so overall career-wise i would probably say shifley at this moment i think it's a toss-up fair Liz, how about you? Who would who'd you go with out of those uh, those players that Mac mentioned or, or um, anyone else that you might want to bring into it? Yeah, that's um, I, I'm still going with Shifley on that one for sure. Um, I feel like I'm also a little bit biased just because I watch him more than I watch the other two. And I know that, you know, Hamilton was a Norris finalist and stuff like that. And, you know, right now in the situation that we're in as Jets fans, like that sounds pretty good because, you know, it'd be nice to have a Norris finalist in our team. But uh when you look at um, the numbers and just the impact that he can have on the game, like not saying Couturier can't or anything, but like when Shifley's on, like he, he's good. <laughs> and I, I would still go with him though. Yeah, I agree. It could be a toss up, especially as of late. Um, I feel like Couturier is on more of an incline whereas Shifley's just kind of like almost plateaued in the past, you know, two, three years or whatever, but I'm still going with Shifley. Yeah. I think, I think you guys both hit the nail on the head with the toss up part I, for, for myself. I kind of hummed and hawed on this one for a bit, but then I started looking into um, maybe what some of the numbers people have said. So I looked up Mike McCurdy, and uh, he was showing some heat maps. He's the one uh, in Effective Math on Twitter, uh, creates all the heat maps you see. And uh, some of the stuff that he showed from Couturier looked like Pavel Datsukian. So even though he's not getting the same point production as Shifley, it sounds like he's generating a lot more offense. And Chris, you touched on the fact of his two-way play. Uh, Shifley's defensive game has dropped off uh, quite a bit. Another person I looked at was Jay Fresh Hockey, and uh, he had glowing things to say about Couturier, and um, you know some some okay things to say about Shifley. The the hard part is with Shifley, uh, like I think you both uh, touched on there, his offensive upside um, compared to Couturier. I don't know if Couturier is ever you know going to be a, a consistent 30 goal scorer the way that uh, Shifley is. He might have had 30 in a season right now. I I don't think so though. Um, but I, so you kind of look at Shifley and you say, yeah, he's still got the potential to to be that. But I'm going to go off the board here because uh, I'm going to take Dougie Hamilton just to, to be a little bit different because, you know, we already got consensus, so the Jets fans are happy. You both took Shifley. Uh, I'm not going to take Couturier either, but I'm just going to go with Hamilton. Um, I like Dougie Hamilton. I, I don't know. It's uh, I have no real strong reason uh, for it. Um, except to say that uh, I like him. Everything that I've seen about him, everything that I've read, seems like really, really positive and trending, uh, not plateaued at all, actually trending trending upwards and get, getting better. So for the long term, you know, if you're looking at that player and adding them to your team, you know, seven, eight years later to still be getting production that's growing out of them, I'm going to Dougie Hamilton. So just to screw, screw plus, with all of it. So Plus we've got that great new museum for him. So that's perfect. <laughs> we, we know. We know that he likes museums for sure. Okay, so 2012, the Jets took Truba, ninth overall. Um, I was looking at, um, uh, you know what, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys go first. I'll, 
Um, I'll let uh, Lisa, you start off with this one. Then maybe I'll go and Chris, you can kind of wrap this one after, up afterwards. So Lisa, what do you think of the Truva pick in 2012? Would he still be the guy that you take at nine or is there somebody that was taken after him? This was a Yakupov year, by the way. Yeah, well, that was a great first pick. Um, but uh, I would likely still go with Truba, but people that I would definitely look at would, def- yeah, for sure, Philip Forsberg. Um, that's Hurdle, Wilson, and you have, like, Vasilevsky down there, too, and Turvine. Like, there are a lot of good guys in that middle of the first round there, but, I, like, I've always really liked um, Jacob Truba. Fine, he was a solid defenseman. I thought he was developed really well. Like, they didn't rush him into the NHL too quickly, which I think was really good for him as a player and he just like he's he's a first pairing defenseman and not some guys are you know first pairing defensemen on team but on teams but they're you know in reality they should be a second pairing kind of guy but he's a a real you know raw first pairing guy so I think that's I would still go with Truba but uh. nice um I'm going to actually go with Forsberg. You mentioned him there, Alyssa. And uh, just to kind of touch on his stats right now, after 458 games, he's got 353 points. It's not quite a point a game uh, rate, but still very, very um, high rate of, uh, of points. And uh, he's got 54.9 Corsi, which is pretty good over his career. I know that's just one of the many stats, but I also looked at the war numbers, uh, the wins above uh, replacement. And of all the people drafted in 2012, he is first with 13.7. Truba was at 7.5 for that. Now, obviously, some players play more games, whatever. There's there's other things to consider um, in all that. But uh, it, to me, it kind of looks like he's a, the standout of that group. And you did mention some other great players with Hurdle and Tara Vinen. I don't know if you mentioned Dumba. I think Dumba was that year as well. Uh, it was drafted after Truba. So there was some some high quality. And then when you when I look at those ones, um, the high quality that's there, I feel like I could probably get something a little better than Truba. So I'll make Jets fans hate me for the second year in a row because I took Hamilton. I'm going to go with uh, – now I, get a, I have to get a forward because I gave up Shafley. So I'm going to go with Forsberg. I'm going to take Forsberg in 2012 instead of Truba. So how about you, Mac? Um, I think uh, Truba is the pick. I think it's funny because everybody that night thought we were going to get Forsberg just by rankings and how things were falling, right? Um, and then I, I can remember that night when we picked him. A lot of my, the, I was playing touch football that night, and a lot of people were like, "Who?" Um, but as it turns out, he turned into everything or more, I think, than you could expect. Um, unfortunately, we all know how some of the situation turned out, but that's nothing that you can predict when drafting. So you still have to go with the guy. Plus, if you pick Forsberg, then that might affect drafting Ehlers a couple of years later, and we can't have that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh well, yeah i we'll, think we'll get to the ehlers part though maybe maybe it, maybe it's okay to affect maybe, that we'll see. maybe it doesn't you're right but uh yeah i i i think you're you're as as we touched on earlier you're gonna go with the defenseman that's potentially especially in the situation i know we talked about we're not going to talk about like drafting for need and all that kind of stuff but it does have to be mentioned we had we needed the defensive depth right and at first for sure uh, I think he's the right guy. I think you have to pick him, and I think that's a. I think it's a really good pick. I mean, he was ranked ninth, drafted ninth, right? But I think it's a good pick, and I mean, you can make a case for Forsberg, you can make a case for Hurdle, but at the time, I think it's the right pick. Not for me, because I already got Hamilton, so I think I'm I'm good now. So I'll take Forsberg. Um, yeah, I I, I think uh, you make a strong point. Just out of curiosity, either of you know um, where Dumbo was ranked, like in the yeah, overall. He was... Oh, no, he was picked seven, though, and so he was picked before Chuba was. Oh, he's picked. Oh, sorry. You know what? I was looking at uh, the the war thing there, and I didn't uh, look at the draft position. Okay, so so Dumba was not on the board. Yeah, I, I feel like Dumba's name has come up a lot, though, when people talk about that draft year and talk about Truba. Um, so I guess it was similar to the Couturier thing where there's just a comparison, but there wasn't really the potential to get him. So I didn't have that in my, my notes about him, where he was for a draft spot. So, okay, that's uh, that's good. Okay. Now you look like a real Dumba. Oh boy, here we. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move along. Now we're at uh, 2013. That's the year that we took Morrissey. Um, I I think that there's gonna there's a lot of potential other ones here after Morrissey, which is interesting. Um, he was taken 13th overall. That was the year that McKinnon 
um, was taken first overall in the draft. And I don't know if you guys remember that uh, Max Domi was taken just before uh, Morrissey. I remember a lot of Winnipeggers really wanted Max Domi, so it was kind of an interesting thing. Some people maybe don't like to admit that now because you just you got your guy, and also maybe Max Domi's popularity is is lower. But I know a lot of Jets fans definitely wanted him, and we we missed out on that one. We got Morrissey instead. But uh, looking back, I'm I'm wondering if uh, if you guys would change it all. So let's how about we start with uh, you again, uh, Morrissey, 2013. Do you have any other players that you'd take over him? Yeah, um, for once, I think I'm not going to go with uh, the pick that we took. I think I would probably go with Anthony Mantha in uh, in this draft. I I base a lot of my judgments off of uh, World Junior play when I'm because I watch a lot of World Juniors and that's kind of like my my measuring stick for a lot of the guys. And he really impressed me. And now he's still putting up points with Detroit. And we all know that they're just you know anything but stellar. You know, and I I've always really liked him. He's a he's a big guy. Um, like nothing wrong with Morrissey. Um, not uh, like. He needs a partner. That's kind of always been my my take on him is that he's a good defenseman when he has a good supporting cast. He's not really the supporter. He needs the support. Um, and, uh, you know, you have your Jacob Truba and you look at this, you take your good defenseman last year, um, go with something else this year. That's that's what I would go with. Right. All right, Mac, how about you? Are you still taking Morrissey when you're looking at some of the other guys on the board? You know what's funny is this was the the shortest list I had. Um, so when you said there's a lot of guys after, I kind of was like, wow. So I recalled it up. I can see what what you were saying, um, but I don't think there's any second guessing that pick. Um, I think you're starting up a decor that features Bufflin, Truba, Morrissey. Um, uh, you know that sounds pretty good for a top three. The only person I had with the only person I had at that with even consideration was Curtis Lazar. Um, right now I'm on TSN. They're showing the 2014 world juniors and all of these guys are playing. Um, and uh, Lazar was a pretty important part of that team. He obviously didn't turn into the player we thought, but there's a big center, um, you know, maybe to follow up Shifley. Um, so that was the only real contender I have, but I don't think there's a contender there for, for me. Um, I like the Anthony Mantha talk because yeah on that team he's a great player i guess you could look at shay theodore um but that's another defenseman and i think picking out of those two i'd i'll take morrissey i think all right uh well i'm actually going to take theodore i know uh listen uh mentioned him i believe i think that you're there's a couple like uh that are mentioned that I was mentioning there's uh, Pollock there's Theodore there's Mantha there's uh, Weinberg or Weinberg however you say his name so there were a couple other ones and then you mentioned Lazar and then I think Liz you mentioned another one too but uh, again kind of looking at um, some of the numbers I think from Jay Fresh Hockey um, he's got me convinced I'm not sure of the overall quality of his assessments of everyone but I think he's just most, mostly taking raw numbers and plotting them in so uh, for players that I haven't seen I haven't watched, you know, every game of all these guys. Um, just trying to look at that. I feel like this actually, this group, I feel like I know the least about them. I, I mentioned that we're doing this to uh, Tony, friend of the show. we got to mention him every show, right, Max? So I uh, mentioned to Tony that uh, I was doing this. And he mentioned Mantha, and I was like, oh, shit, I, I forgot that he existed. I, I don't know if I just, you know, I blocked it out because I was thinking Mo Mantha from the old Jets. That guy doesn't even exist. And then I, I, I convinced myself that I didn't even remember that he was taken in the first round. But uh, like Liz mentioned, he was a he's a very high-quality player and um, from everything that I could see about him. But um, I'm not going to base it off of uh, who I've already drafted. Uh, anyhow, I'm just going to look at this because I know, Mac, you're kind of doing that. Uh, I'm going to go with Theodore. Uh, I think he's... Uh, the standout around all those guys. Um, I'd probably put Mantha a very close second. Um, Morrissey drops down a little bit for me. I'm going to make myself unpopular with uh, Jets fans by not taking the Jet player, but I did take Truba, and I think that probably would make a lot of people happy. So I'm going to go with Theodore. Um, Mac, who did you have again? You you went with Morrissey? I no. stayed with Morrissey, and I just want to qualify two things there. I'm, I was just kidding about the draft uh, drafting for, for need uh, or drafting based on my previous picks. Um, I was only kidding about that. Each year is standalone. Um, but in this year with saying Lazar, that's not the point of this redrafting thing. And it's a really dumb thing because a redraft is about the guys that actually are better now, not redrafting right. at the draft. So that's a dumb statement on my part. I guess my reason, only reason why I mentioned him was because to look back, he's, the only thing that I would even consider 
at that time that you would do. But right now, I don't think there is. But I know you guys both see that differently. Right, right. All right. I dropped so the ball. We, I dropped the ball. So, so we had no consensus in 2013. We got uh, one for Morrissey, one for Theodore, one for Mantha. Going back to 2012, sorry, uh, Mac, you uh, had Truba, I believe. I went with Forsberg. And Liz, who did you go with again? Uh, Truba. Oh, you went with Truba, Mac. Okay, so we got a little bit of consensus there. So maybe the draft wouldn't look that different if uh, the three of us were in charge. Um, I'd probably argue uh, a couple, couple of my points there. Uh, but let's move on. Anyhow, we'll go to 2014. Um, this was a year that Ekblad went was first. I watched a video about scouting. Um, they f were following like the Carolina Hurricanes or Chicago Blackhawks or something um, about this this particular year and just seeing all the scouts talk about people. And I think this was a dry settle year too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then there's another one or two players there. And it's really interesting to see um, this thing and who they had kind of high up and even the scouts. Some of the guys were speaking really highly of players that have really not panned out at all. So it's interesting because even though we're doing this and we may look like fools, um, I could find you some videos of people that do this for a job that look worse than us because uh, their, their their careers were, were riding on some of their decisions. We're just kind of doing this for fun. But, uh, yeah, I did actually look at this year a little bit. Um, 2014, yeah, so we took Ehlers that year. We took him at nine. Uh, some of the players that I looked at besides that were Dylan Larkin. Is he from Winnipeg? American, something like that. No, he's, he's American. He's American. I think. Who's the guy? I, I don't know why I thought he was from Winnipeg. Uh, but the, there's also Pasternak this year, and I think looking at Pasternak, just his numbers. I mean, he's a point point a game guy. Basically, he's played 390 games. Uh, I mean, I love Ehlers. He's great on the Winnipeg Jets, but I'm not gonna fool myself and think that there. are wasn't maybe better players after him in that draft. And Pasternak seems to stand out. I'm not sure where he was expected to go at that time, uh, if he had dropped unnecessarily, or if he was a bit of a, um, a nice grab like a Kucherov in the, the later round, who's now a first overall in the redraft by the NHL. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Pasternak. I mean, 379 points at 390 games. He's, he's killing. I know, obviously, that he's on a good team there. Uh, they seem to have good stuff going but, um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to go with him over Ehlers, and it has nothing to do with Ehlers not scoring in the playoffs. Uh, Mac, uh, how about you? I know this will be a difficult one for you. Maybe not, but I know that you love Ehlers. So. Yeah, I mean, Ehlers is my favorite player. Um, he's, our, he's the Jets' best player other than Connor Hellebuck. Um, I mean, there's only two other choices, right, Larkin and Pasternak. I think that that's consensus probably. I sh again, I shouldn't speak the same as – but, I, I mean, I think – you can take any three. Pasternak, I think, obviously is, would I say, miles ahead? Maybe. he. I guess the reason he fell maybe was because of his size as far as the rest of the, the draft. Um, I mean, you have to pick him. You could pick Larkin. I think Larkin and Ehlers maybe are a little bit of a, of a you know. Closer a, to each other. A pick them. Right. But Pasternak is head and shoulders, I think. It, there's no doubt about that. Any team, he would... Do, did you mention that he might go, you know, top two or three, I guess, maybe? I don't, I don't remember 2014 draft, but, I mean, now if, you re, if you're redrafting the whole draft, he's got to be up there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think he's got to be number one on probably everyone's list when you're looking back. And, again, like, like you kind of clarified last time, just based on where they are now and, and basically where, where they've come, where they are now, where they're projected to go, not what teams would have done for needs or what best player available at the time, right? So. Um, that's the whole exercise is exactly where they are now yeah i mean he's i don't who's who's the 2014 draft who's the number uh, one uh ekblad was number one and i think dry was number three if i'm not mistaken and then there's Seth somebody else too there we go that's oh. that's right yeah so it goes it goes dry sidle pasternak ekblad off of those right now right. yeah yep. that seems fair Liz, how about you the Steelers draft 2014 what do you got yeah I just I feel um you know yeah Pasternak is that's pretty much the only option here but you look at the draft itself we we lucked out on that one like Ehlers is better than a couple of the guys ahead of him a couple of guys behind him but you look at especially what Pasternak's done in the past like three years like it's it's not a contest <laughs> I feel bad saying it love Ehlers been the best chat this year no question but uh Pasternak would be better <laughs> Yeah, I think that, and that's a good point that you raised, where you say there are 
like some some worse players drafted before as well. Like the whole exercise isn't to say that Jets drafted poorly or something, but just sort of in hindsight, we get to do this now. There's no hockey happening. Um, obviously, the Jets drafted better than some teams ahead of them and better than teams behind them and worse than teams ahead of them and worse behind, right? But um, yeah, I think uh, we're, we're probably all consensus about the, the Pasternak thing. It's hard hard to argue with what who was available at that time. But like you say, Mac, I think Drysaddle is obviously going to be number one if you're looking at the, the whole draft, so... Um, okay, let's move on. 2015. 2015, we had two first-round picks. At 17, we had uh, that's where Kyle Connor was picked, and at 25 is where Roslovic was picked. So my general rule was that uh, I was thinking having to pick players that were still in the first round, but with Roslovic being taken at 25, um, obviously there's not many picks after him in that first round to maybe choose from. So if you want to dip into the second round a little bit, I think there's a a pretty obvious one that we should maybe add to the potential list there, but I'll, I'll let you guys do that. So maybe you can do uh, both of yours for Connor and Rossovic. Connor at 17, Rossovic at 25. And then what I did for myself, you guys can do whatever you want. Um, but I kind of picked for, if I was going to replace Connor, I picked for somebody uh, from some of the guys that were in between Connor and Rossovic. Mm-hmm. So the main two there would be uh, Shabbat and um, Bassard were the two that stood out to me as as potential replacements if I was going to replace Kyle Connor and then Rossovic, I chose somebody obviously after that. So, um, Mac, how about we start with you this time again, I think. I'm not sure who I started with last time, but you go ahead. Yeah, I think the, I had Konechny in that, and I did it the same way as you, only the ones in between Connor and Rossovic, and I had Konechny. Um, he's got 153 points in his career at this point, which is pretty good. Uh, but Shabbat, I think... I, I think you take him, and the, my justification for that is, would I trade him for Kyle Connor right now? I think I would. Um, so I think that – I don't think it's a miss, but I think you make that – maybe you don't make the pick, but you make that trade right now. I think he, he goes ahead of him. And then I'll go to – I think we're all going to do the same thing here. You have to dip into the – Rosselvik is 25th, like you said. They maybe reached on him a little bit. And that uh, they could have reached on uh, Sebastian Ajo. The good Sebastian Ajo. The good and the finished one. <laughs> and even Carlo um, was on that, that list too. And he could maybe uh, fit in there. And I'd note, um, they drafted Jansen Harkins at 34 there. So, <laughs> you know, there's guys that they drafted. They drafted two guys ahead of Ajo and Brandon Carlo. Hmm. Which, I, which did, I, I, I didn't notice the, the Jansen Harkins things. He was drafted 34th that year, the second round? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Wasn't he 47? Oh. I saw 30. Maybe I was looking at a ranking. Yeah, that might have been the ranking. But Yeah, I, I, would, I would assume just... I dropped it something worked. there. It was the... Uh, yeah, 47 makes off. sense if Connor was at 17, right? Then right. it would make sense that he'd be at 47. But uh, yeah, you might have been—you might be right about the ranking. But uh, yeah, I don't think we would have had another. That had to do with the point, anyway. Sorry, I, m- I just misread the notes. But the point is, is, yes, Harkins was ranked higher than Roslovic, but then Roslovic went higher, and then there was other guys ranked in that same spot. Sorry about that. But yeah, I think Aho, obviously, you could maybe argue he up to the Kyle Connor part. Yeah, yeah. If you want to keep kind of moving up a little bit higher, right? You can. Maybe get Aho if you take him there, and you're still looking at a maybe it pushes everyone down. Maybe still Shabbat and Besser and Bovillier or whoever kind of at that uh, at Rossovic's point there too. Yeah, let's uh, be interesting. Yeah, I didn't do it that way, but yeah, you, I suppose you could. Uh, Liz, how about you? Um, Connor 17, Rossovic 25. Who who are you replacing, if anyone? Kyle Connor for sure. Um, I'm a big underlying numbers kind of person and everyone knows that his aren't great but uh, you can't argue the fact that he can score and goals win games right so he's um definitely especially this year like I really found that he was you know fun to watch and stuff like that when he was in the offensive zone um I'm probably still going with him at number 17 even though I'm a big big Shabbat fan like liked what I saw of him when he was young, like what he's doing now in Ottawa. Like I'm a big fan, but I think I'm still going with him. Brock Besser definitely in the consideration too, but uh, yeah, no, I'm going Cal Connor and then Sebastian Ajo for sure. Right on. 
Okay, well, I'll start with the second one because I'm going to go with Aho as well. But like I mentioned, uh, Beauvillier was was in there too as a potential replacement. But I'm actually the huge, as Mac knows this, I'm a huge Rossovic guy. So I don't, you know, fault the team for taking him. I I got to watch him actually play in college when I went down to UND. They were playing against Miami of Ohio. So I enjoyed watching him uh, play there for two nights. He had awful nights, but still managed to be the one of the best players on the ice. So a lot of fun, one of the best skaters, best passers on the team. And I don't think we've seen anywhere near his ceiling yet. I think he's still got a lot to show us. So um, I don't want to take anything away from him. But when you look at Sebastian Aho and, and what he's done so far, it uh, seems seems pretty obvious. Uh, with Kyle Connor, um, Besser and Shabbat were obviously the two that I looked at. I believe, I, I think I did the math on the Besser and Connor just on their point production, um, not their goals, because obviously Connor's uh, far and away the better goal scorer right now. Um, but they're pretty much at the same you know, production rates, even though Besser's played uh, less games. Uh, being a huge UND fan, as most people know about me, I'd probably lean that way just because of the UND thing, which uh, that UND team that Besser was on uh, kicked the snot out of the Michigan team that Kyle Connors was on in 2016 finals, um, Frozen Frozen Four finals, although Drake Kajula was the, the star of that whole whole tournament there um not not Brock Besser but I would probably lean towards Brock Besser out of the two of them but honestly uh Shabbat I would take Shabbat over both of them that's uh, it's not even a question for me I, um I did get a chance to watch him with the with St. John's or St. John's Sea Dogs uh Mem Cup stuff and I thought yeah I just really like this guy was, and and the fact that he's had the production and as good of a career as he's had in with such a dumpy team I mean just I I, I can't imagine what he would do if he had good tools around him. I think Shabbat is the best of the three of them. And uh, it's, it, it's a toss up for me with Besser and, and Connor, but I'd probably lean towards Besser just because of my heartstrings. So um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Shabbat and, and Aho for that. So sorry, Kyle Connor and Kyle Connor fans, but uh, I think that's what's got to be. Now, I don't know if this is going to be controversial at all, but we're going to move on to 2016. Uh, this is when we got line a second overall. So uh, Matthews was off the board, so no choosing uh, Austin Matthews, even if you feel like it. But one name that has come up since, oh, and also we took um, uh, Logan Stanley at, at 18. We moved up from 22nd to 18. Don't really want to get into the Stanley stuff too much. I think we are all honest about it, that he's a project and was not a great pick, and there was better players, and we could probably name half a dozen of them. So it's not really much of an exercise to redo the Stanley thing. I think it's pretty obvious if you guys want to mention, uh, but the lighting thing, I didn't think we'd ever get a comparison, but some people seem to think that Kachuk has moved into that conversation. So I'm going to stay out of this one. As far as some strong opinions, I'm going to take Liney. I'm not going to say anything else about that, but uh, Mac or Alyssa, maybe we'll start with you. Um, what do you think of that conversation? Are those two comparable players, Liney and Kachuk? Would you choose could Chuck over Liney now if you had to go back? No. No? Okay. I, <laughs> just no, like that? I No, just like that. Yeah, not not to – Chuck is – yeah, he's good. Um, he's fun to watch, and I think people, you know, they, they like that. But uh, so is Liney. And uh, I think that, again, like I liked what you said earlier about Rosalind, like that you haven't, you know, haven't seen the best of him yet kind of thing. And I think Liney is just going to keep getting better, and he's going to keep, you know, denying what people say about him being that whole one-trick pony argument that – should never even exist anymore like it's he's um you know I I'm very biased towards our, our third overall pick um Pierre Dubois but uh I'm yeah definitely going with uh Line a in that one but and I know that Stanley isn't uh someone that I would have gone with in that position but I am curious to know who you guys would have gone with because there are that many below him that are that good because you know you can look close by to him and you can look at Kiefer Bellows or um Julian Gauthier or anything like that but if you scroll all the way down you got uh, like Debrinket and Carter Hart too, and I feel like there are a lot of good options there. And I feel like instead of Stanley, I would have gone with Debrinket or Carter, Carter Hart. Yeah, well, I'll just kind of rewind before we go to Chris, just because I kind of started. Um, I would have gone with Borgstrom again, just being a college kind of hockey guy and seeing him come up and play. I would have just went with him. He was uh, killing it uh, at Denver, so I would have went with him. I'm not sure if that's the right pick. Uh, Gerard was on the board. Steele, Debrinket, like uh, Debrinket, oh, like you mentioned was also there so obviously there's there's a few but for me I would have went with Borgstrom and I, I might have been wrong by by doing that I, w I probably would have been wrong so um Mac 
So I don't think I would change the pick. I mean, obviously, this is one of those things. You're never going to change the pick from Patrick Line, period, right? Because Just because he's our guy, we love him, blah, 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 blah. Like, you can't even play, like, the unemotional game in this one. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, yep. I just don't, I just don't think you can play that game. But if you take yourself back to that night, rather than doing it the way we're doing it, which is as of right now. But if you take yourself back to that night and you want to draft, maybe not best player available, but you're thinking about we're building a team. We have Ehlers, we have Connor, we have Roslovic, we've still got Blake Wheeler. How does Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois down the middle sound? Mm-hmm. Right? Six foot five center. You know, he was a little bit of a project at the time. I think they were kind of like, okay, two years away from being a year away sort of thing. But that's something that you could have entertained at the moment, I think. Um, PRV, I thought I, you could check my Twitter. I thought the Jets were going to take PRV um, simply because of that lining interview and I, the one in his bed, <laughs> the legendary uh, lining. Iconic pictures. Um, be, yeah, because I thought that was going to be a little controversial for small town Winnipeg. Um, to have this big personality guy. In hindsight, it was a bad uh, bad call on my part, but I thought that at the time, and I think you could go, as we do, as the Jets team does things really typically, uh, Dubois could be somebody that was typical. But again, you're, never, you're not ever changing that. I, there's people today that wouldn't even change for Austin Matthews, which is ridiculous, but 90% of the Jets fan base wouldn't even make that trade. So... There's, there's not a conversation to be had on line A. But the Logan Stanley thing, um, obviously there are a few people after, but the Alex DeBrinkett thing is interesting, mostly because I think AJ and I have heard rumblings that a lot of the Jets scouting staff wanted him and they were um, ignored. And then on top of being ignored, traded up to draft Logan Stanley. So it's like a double whammy and that's a real kick in the teeth if that's true. Yeah, I would I would guess that um, there was not consensus about the Logan Stanley thing. There was probably somebody who gave in somewhere else and felt like their voice needed to be heard. And so it was kind of um, the squeaky wheel saying, come on, give me this one, right? We already got a first rounder. And, uh, and honestly, if we keep going past this point, uh, I mean, the Jets have been through, what is it? This is six drafts and then 17, 18, 9. So nine drafts. I guess is what it is. Um, and in that they've had 11 first round or uh, 10 first round picks in nine years, because I think one year they didn't have the first round, right? I believe when they got Gustafson. Um, but like we said, this year they did have Liney and they did have Stanley. And then the year before they had Connor and Rossovic. So there's two years where they had two first rounders. So when you, all things considered, they've had more first rounders than there have been drafts. Uh, and like we mentioned, even though we had maybe changed some of them or there's some other potential guys, I mean, we're talking first round players. So um, it's not like we're the Jets haven't drafted very well and that the players we're replacing with are all head and tails or, you know, above some of the Jets uh, current players. So, um, yeah, that, that's just my my hot take. And so uh, the Stanley thing, it was unfortunate, but it's almost like they had it to burn or somebody could make that argument. I wouldn't make that argument, but I could understand how somebody would make their argument about the Stanley thing being a, let's, let's just take a chance. Right. And somebody getting their say when other people probably weren't, weren't on board with that. So. And not to, not to harp on it, but if you, if you believe, and I think you were the one that told me that there that about the Debrinket thing, if, if that's a real thing and maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. And like you're saying, if you add in a give and take to that scenario, it, it maybe even makes more sense. Right. Yeah. Um, if somebody says, I really like this five foot three player and somebody else says, I really like this six foot nine player, um, you know, that's how, that's the way those conversations I would assume go. Um, so there, if there's legs to the fact that somebody in the, on the draft team really wanted to bring it, that sucks. But I think what you're saying makes sense that there's give and take there. Well, and, and like anything, like we've talked so much on the podcast before about uh, relationships within in the team and stuff, like with the Bufflin stuff um, and, and Wheeler and his personality and, and whatever. Uh, so there's like a human element to this, right, of a conversation. And so I think if somebody was just running the numbers, right, you don't end up with Logan Stanley at that, at that point. So uh, and but 
you, people don't always trust the numbers. I've had the opportunity to talk to a, a couple scouts, and sometimes it's you look at the way a guy warms up and and who he is on the team and their leadership, right? Like all the intangibles, those are real things. But um, <laughs> you, you, you would. You. <laughs> I know it's, about intangibles. The, yeah. the the sooner you get to he's good in the room, the shittier he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny saying intangibles are real things when they're kind of like typically not measurable things, but um, they, they, they do exist and some people value them more than others. And sometimes it's uh, those people's turn to to get a crack at the can or get a favor or whatnot. So I think that's what the Logan Stanley thing is. I don't think there's a Jet Scout that wouldn't go back and undo that and, and take somebody else at this point. So anyhow, uh, I think that's it, guys. Uh, thanks for taking the time. We ended up going like 40, 40 minutes here uh, doing this. I hope it was kind of fun. Um, for everyone to listen to and uh, certainly I think uh, we got to to a little bit of the nitty-gritty I think the Jets have drafted very well I think we could all agree with that but there were some other other players there that could have definitely changed the way this franchise looks so um, Liz do you have any uh, last words about uh, the Jets and their drafting and what you hope for hockey this next uh, year if it comes back oh gosh that's kind of a loaded question but no I think especially since, you know, I watch a lot and I see all these guys and I know who they are as people, I know who they are as players, I like them all a lot. And, like, I don't think that we really, really drop the ball in any of them. So, like, generally speaking, good drafting, but always you can look back and things are different because people, you know, some people deliver, some don't, some exceed expectations, others, you know, don't. So, but, uh, yeah, and I don't know, and I'm looking forward to it coming back, but uh, not sure what's going to happen in the coming months and years. So we'll see, but... Uh, all right, Mac. How about you? You you get the last word. Well, I, I was gonna say maybe we we shouldn't have a last word. We could have another ten minutes roundtable here for fun, but um, we don't have to. But I think in all of our discussions in well, I don't I don't know how long I'm going on here. Two and a half years of some iteration of this podcast that I've been a guest on. Um, I don't think anybody's ever, other than Logan Stanley, ever had any complaints about the Jets' first round drafting. Um, but other than I believe 2015, which is our like water high watermark as a franchise and maybe as any franchise has ever had for drafting, um, my complaints have always been their deep talent and I think or their deep drafting. Sorry, I think Murat did a in-depth thing about that, and it turns out that we are pretty good also drafting outside of the first round. But I've always felt over the eight years that we should have more more help from outside i guess that maybe i'm going to talk myself out of that and say maybe we don't have a lot of third and fourth and fifth rounders in our lineup because we've usually got seven or eight first rounders in our lineup at all times so maybe <laughs> that's why we don't have a ton of uh andrew cops and 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 Nick larry and Lowry's, right yeah. you know because we all we, we're so stacked and then we have this high-end talent and then we have to fill in the roster with waiver wire pickups and stuff but those should be the jansen harkins and uh, those type of players right and the sammy nikus should be the guys filling in your um kind of league minimum uh contracts so i've always been a little frustrated with their late drafting that being said the core of our team i guess you could say is is those those you know your third and fourth liners are the third and fourth round draft picks so maybe it's it's pretty good um but yeah, I think that you can't, I mean, we just did it. We literally just did it. You can't really go through and, and draft much better. And ha- what did Pasternak go? 20-something? So 20th, 20, I think. Right. So 24 other teams missed on him, too. So yeah. you can't sit there and go, we fucked up, because 23 other teams fucked up, too, by not drafting him, right? Well, yeah, and then it, there's there's an exa- a couple more examples that we just mentioned, too, the Sebastian... Aho too, right? And then even the fact that Drysaddle went, what was it, Alyssa? He went third, right behind uh, yeah. Ekblad and uh, Reinhardt. Yeah, Reinhardt. I mean, yeah, exactly. So uh, we're we're not pretending we're smarter than anyone, that's for sure. But as an exercise, it is kind of fun to go back. And boy, would the team look different with a couple of these changes too, right? Because it changes who you draft then the next year. Like you said, Mac, when I started off with the Hamilton thing, right? And you're and you wanted to have Morrissey because you would have had Trubor and Buff and whatnot. I know. You, you kind of said that's not the, the exercise generally, but it would change something if we didn't have Shifley that first year and we're taking Hamilton, then it's quite likely that they would have taken Forsberg, not Truba, right? Probably not another defenseman. And that just changes everything down down the line. So it's a, it's interesting how we get to where we are now, right? So 
it's a lot of fun. Like, this is great. I know that's kind of going around because that's all there is right now. I was talking earlier um, with um, Jet-Centric Superfan, and she was mentioning that we should also do this about the, the trades as well, about kind of how some of those have shaken down and the fact that we're missing a draft pick because of Stastny. Is that a good trade? The Myers and Kane trade. I know there's not a lot of Jets trades, unfortunately, um, but that's something that we could also do if this offseason drags, drags a little longer. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap it up there. I don't, I don't think there's anything else to talk about unless you guys want to. And if you do, then we'll just cut out me trying to wrap it up here. Um, so sort of off the record right now, is there anything else we want to touch on and we'll just kind of flow into it or no? What do we think? Is there going to be a season? Is there going to be a tournament? Or are we drafting? What do you guys think? I mean, it's just that simple. Is there going to be a season? Are they going to tournament? Um or is that it? I know that the last time we had this conversation and, and it's really that simple is we don't know because of the actual virus itself. But I think we're starting to see some action on the sports. Um, what do you guys think? Is there going to be anything? Are we going to see hockey in the summer? Um, I mean, I think that it depends on what other leagues do. Like, I guarantee the NHL is not going to be the first one to jump at this, oh, have it all in one city or, oh, whatever kind of thing. But if some of the other leagues do it and they, you know, everyone stays healthy, they turn a ton of profits, they get a lot of viewership, then the NHL, I could see following in the footsteps because, you know, hockey fans want hockey, right? And hockey players want hockey too. But uh, I feel like it just really depends on how quickly it takes to, you know, contain this thing. But uh, I think it's a bit optimistic to talk about summer hockey, but... uh, I think it's probably going to just start back up in the fall. There's not much else you can do, but it uh, really depends. I don't know. That's the big thing is, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, today, uh, what is today, May 2nd, May 3rd, something like that, um, that the NFL announced that they're going to be actually starting on time is what they figured. Um, I think I saw that on SportsCenter or ESPN or something. Um, that uh, So they're going to be on time. I think the NBA has mentioned that they're going to start next season or they're willing to start it in December is kind of what they're looking at. So about two months delayed. But I think that delay isn't about this they're virus. They're going to do that. Any, yeah, this exactly. is just an opportunity to, to do it. Yeah, and exactly. Because they've talked about wanting to move it back anyhow. But I think the the hockey will probably follow in line with the basketball because they're basically at the same points in the schedule. They have the same length of playoffs basically right in the NBA as a bigger league. And so they can kind of follow, follow suit with them. I'm not sure um, what the arenas and everything are going to look like, but I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL just pushes back the start of the season, not because they're worried about things starting. I think there will be fans there. I think that's going to be kind of normal, but because Every, the rest of this season and the playoffs are going to be pushed back. And I think we will have uh, hockey in uh, this summer. I believe that they talked about opening up the practice facilities June 1st, whatnot. So, I mean, we're not going to get into the whole coronavirus thing necessarily, but, you know, they talk about the summer months and the, you know, the fresh air and the UV light, but all those things are supposed to be better and then isolating players, right? So it seems like there's some real potential to actually get this, season done i don't know how they're, if they're going to actually do the season but actually get in the playoffs whether it's shortened or not uh or expand it with some players with uh, shortened things so i think we do have it i think we have some starting in june probably midweek uh middle month third week of june we start seeing actual hockey again and we see things wrap up by the end of july middle of august and then they get a break for you know a month and a half two months and maybe start uh training camp uh first week of October, start in November. That's my prediction. I don't know why, but that's just what I, I've come up with off the top of my head. What about you, Mac? What do you think? Yeah, I can. I think the NBA thing, uh, what I think, I, I, it's all relative to what the NBA does, right? The only difference is, is the rosters are so much bigger in hockey, right? So that's the comp, that complicates it. But I think what you're going to see with the NBA is you're going to see two divisions, uh, like an Orlando division and a Las Vegas division. And they'll just stay there and they'll play the rest of the tournament that way. And then maybe a finals. Um, and then I I would think you would see maybe four divisions um, for hockey. You know, the obviously they have to be in cities with large enough hotels. And that's why Winnipeg, I assume, is not included in any discussions they're having. Edmonton's got that, I believe, a huge hotel attached to their rink. But you're going to need more than one rink unless you're playing games during the day or you play double headers at night i'm not sure 
I can see them doing like a four division thing with, you know, something like that. And then finishing it off. I can see them trying to do it. Everybody's really optimistic right now. I don't know how realistic that is, but we could also see a spike next week in some of those states that have reopened and everything shuts down until next year. Right. Right. Uh, So there's that possibility, but I think they're all trying to do everything they can. I believe what the NFL, just to go back to that, believe the NFL situation was they released their schedule as is, but they have contingency plan. I think ah. that's what they were saying. So here's the schedule. Here's who's playing who this day, this day, this day. They also know that that's maybe not realistic and they have backup plan and backup plan and backup plan. So I don't know. There's obviously no answer. And this is why it's so hard for everybody because it's not about what can the leagues do, right? It's about what, is happening in our in our environment that's the actual question it has nothing to do with anything else other than that for sure i think we'll all agree there'll be no games with fans so yeah not till not till the start of next season whenever that is right Um, and even then i would be i would be right now i would be shocked if let's say the nhl starts on november 10th that there would be fans then they might play in their own ranks and travel or something but I don't, I doubt there'll be, I, again, this is a different conversation. I wouldn't be probably going to an arena with 15,000 people in November. That seems crazy to me. Yeah. There, there was something that I had seen. I'm not sure if it was in the States or somewhere else where they talked about um, arena or stadiums being 25% capacity only. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, that, that, that's not fans to me. Fair enough. That might happen, but that that's yeah. not fans, right? But uh, and you could open up possible lawsuits, all that shit, right? From the players, from the fans, all that. I don't know. Seems crazy. Anyway, now you're just talking about, like I said, now you're talking about the other stuff. It's not about the sports, so it kind of gets, you know. I'd be okay. Right. Let's put it this way: I'd be okay watching sports with no fans, just watching TV feeds, even if they're playing at Max Bell. You know what I mean? People, <laughs> a lot. Of, seriously, a lot of people are talking like. I've heard people say, oh, they need to computer generate fans and pipe in sound and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't see that. These guys love hockey. They'll they'll play no matter what. They don't. It helps. It changes the game, but it's not, uh, you know, crucial. (laughs) As a fan, I I wouldn't mind. uh, As a fan, I wouldn't mind them getting rid of, like, the announcers and everything and kind of make it just all the ice sounds, right? Just completely unfiltered. Just let it go. You could hear the sound of the the puck, the tape to tape, the skates and the swearing and everything like that. I wish they would do that. <laughs> but, well, that, then you could do the mic'd up players. Mic'd up, yeah. <laughs> that's the way to do it. If you're yeah. going to go no commentators, then you mic, then you mic them up. And yeah. you get to hear the frick bombs and the and that kind of stuff. Mark Shifley mic'd. We need yeah. it. Yeah. Mark Shifley. Yeah. We'll find out he's got like the biggest potty mouth out of everybody. Well, we've talked about it. I don't care that he swears or not. He still treats referees like an asshole. So, <laughs> oh, There you have it. All right, on that note, now we'll wrap it up for real. Uh, Chris, Liz, thanks for uh, doing this. Uh, hope it was fun. And, uh, yeah, we should uh, record again sometime soon if there's something to talk about for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. It was lots of fun. I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs>